Thanks for tuning in to this special edition of Bet to Win, Body Ball Auto, alongside my co-host Joe Fan. Joe, we're not alone. We have a very special guest today, Chris Carter. Man, I'm so glad we got you in here. Pro Football Hall of Fame, class of 2013, 130 career touchdowns, led the league in 95, 97, and 99. And now, a media man, host of Blue Wire's podcast, Wide Receiver One. Man, that resume. And it goes on and on. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to being here with you guys. You've been in the podcast space now doing this this Wide Receiver One series, which has been incredible. I've loved listening to them. It's it's you, a legend, Hall of Famer, talking to the, the best of today. What have you taken away from – what was your goal to start with? And then what do you feel like you came away from talking with so many different receivers? You, you have the alphas of the alphas in terms of Mike Evans, Calvin Johnson. You've got the Speedsters and the Burners and Terry McLaurins. You've got – your former franchise, obviously, with the Vikings, the duo they have there, Adam Thiel and Justin Jefferson, the, the, the list goes on. What did you take away from that experience, and, and did you feel like you accomplished what you were setting out to? Well, first of all, I think Blue Wire did a tremendous job as far as the talent that we were able to corral you know, in a short period of time. Um, there's a lot of wide receivers, a lot of interesting stories, but we were very, very happy with the group that we were able to settle on and be able to get all them to get it done because when you make a list you say okay I'm going to do something you make a list and sometimes you start checking off like ah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him and, and a lot of times with the athletes with the time and we're still dealing with COVID it becomes more and more difficult but for me to have that type of talent um, the who's who in today's game and continue to dialogue with them to try to see if I can learn anything new about the game that was kind of the goal can I learn anything new about the game with his new new group of athletes, and what's going on with wide receivers and allow them a platform where they can talk about their stuff. It's not about me. It's about their stuff. Chris, I'm curious. Since you got off the field, you dove right into the media game, HBO, ESPN, Fox. Mm -hmm. What drew you to the podcast? You know, what, what was different about a podcast? What made you want to do that? If you look at it, um, I would say I was in transition um, after doing First Things First for a few years there at Fox. Um, sometimes with media companies, uh, trying to find the right niche as far as what you're going to do. And um, to me, that's why um, I decided to make a switch. And in this new world, then COVID came. And then I would say the podcast world just opened up. So in the meantime, I still worked for the NFL League office. And there was a lot of time where you could do things. So I was approached by a number of different companies. And I think it was clearly a landslide as far as um, – the ideology of Blue Wire, what they were trying to do, ultimately the vision of having this studio because it, it wasn't built at the time, and the collection of younger talent that they were in the process of plucking from around the country, guys like yourself, and then also other athletes that would be starting podcasts. So for me, uh, I'm always trying to reinvent myself. I'm always trying to be current, um, which means being younger, and um, – I think podcasts is a good way to be able to do it, but the individual specializing, we're going to have Chris Carter with wide receivers that really fit my brand. My favorite part about you and how you are as a media member is you always tell it like it is. You're not afraid to share an opinion. You don't really care whose feelings get hurt along the way, at least seemingly. That's how it comes off when you watch as a viewer, which makes you entertaining. I'm curious what your relationship was like with media as a player and how you viewed the media and then now put say, you know, then how that maybe has shifted now that you are a part of the media and, and you might have guys that say, hey, man, I, I don't think that was fair. I didn't like what you had to say about that. And, right. and you have to deal with it on that side now. 
regardless of whatever type of reporter you are, people are going to have times they're not going to like what you say because you're human beings. It's a human condition. People don't want to get criticized. Athletes, um, being the prima donnas in society, they don't want to get – elite people don't want to get criticized. Talented people don't want to get criticized. But people that realize in life I'm going to get criticized and I can utilize some of that criticism so that I can get better – um, you know, to me, I always try to let people know it's not personal. It's obviously based on something. And I don't try to attack people's intelligence. People don't want to be called dumb. They don't want to be called stupid. Um, but you're going to have conflict if you're dealing with athletes and or celebrities because the criticism part, like, you could be dead right. They just don't want to get criticized. People don't, don't want to hear it. People don't want their junk out there. So I understand that. You know, so it's a um, it's a high wire act, but I always respect the profession and respect. This is a hard business. Mm. Yeah. How many calls have you gotten after a show where you let it loose on one player? Did you ever a guy call you up and say, "Listen, Chris"? <laughs> I mean, I've had a number of guys. I'm talking about I'm talking about celebrities. I'm talking about big time players that have had a problem with things I've said. Terrell Owens, he's had a problem with things um, that I've said about him um, throughout the year. I wouldn't call us friends um and i would say the other the other player would be uh josh gordon um josh gordon felt like my criticism of him was unwarranted he said i didn't care about him but josh gordon had gone down a path that i was familiar with and the thing about josh gordon i don't like is i predicted what was going to happen and i told people i don't want to be right about but if you don't get some serious help from the beginning, you know, you could tell his addictive behavior. You could tell the things that he was doing. And I just went on my past. I, it really wasn't about him. It was about what I had gone through and that hoped that it would help him, and he didn't take it. And um, still to this day, I don't think if he was in the room, I don't think he would do a podcast with me if I called him up. Even with him being out the league, in the league, out the league, in the league, out the league, in the league, now he's back in the league. I don't think he would even do a podcast today okay. because I was right. And you'll continue with the hot takes, right? It's, it's more of a respect thing, too. It's not like you're just calling guys out. You see how well, it is. Listen, I, I just think hot takes get a bad name. Mm. I think that there, there's thousands and thousands of people in this business from a media standpoint. And I do think people can take a topic and take an extreme, which is hot. Mm -hmm. But... That's been going on forever. Like, people take extremes in the media all the time. These athletes act like, oh, clutch my pearls. Oh, he said, oh, she said something. Oh, the team's not going to cover. Oh, they don't. All teams, all players, all fans think we in the media don't like them. Correct. Like, we really take time out of our seat. You know something? Yeah. I'm going to hate on the Raiders today. Yeah. Like, you woke up. You know, that's how you – Please you stop. mentioned your relationship with, with some of the people you talk about. I'm curious about what's your relationship like with Randy Moss? Me and Moss are cool. Like, me and Moss are cool. We straight. Like, we don't have a problem. Like, um, I don't know why Randy Moss would ever have a problem with me. I didn't do anything for him but, but help him. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're straight. We don't have an issue. I don't plan on having an issue with the big fella either. What's he like? Because you mentioned a story on your podcast about it's a pretty wild story. I'm going to let you tell it. But is that how he was all the time? It was a certain snack and a, 
a drink that he drank. Showing up late to game showing one. Showing up late. Is that how he always was? And, and break down that story for us. And that's the, the thing about Randy. The best story about Randy is who he was and who he is today. Because we're going to turn on TV tomorrow. He's going to be on Sunday countdown doing a great job explaining the game. He's a huge fan of the game, watching the X's and O's, uh, telling us things that we necessarily um, didn't see. Mm. But coming into the league, he's just a young player, just very, very talented. And it's not a big thing for a guy to be a few minutes late to the game, but they got thousands and thousands of dollars of food down there, food that has been studied to show that when you eat it, the resources that come from that food give you energy to be able to do your damn job. And, no, bruh drank a diet, a Coke and hot tamales before his first NFL game. And I think he had over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Of course. Not even a diet what, Coke, yeah. too. What do you think? Is that Hot tamales need to have a national commercial with the big fella. You already on your way to being a Hall. What do you think of this guy as, like, the young buck coming in? And he, I mean, he becomes larger than life rather quickly. No, we knew he was a freak. We, we knew <laughs> – like, like we, we knew that – I personally knew. As a, as a wide receiver, there are certain things in my mind that I can do. Mm. Randy Moss could do everything that I could think about in my mind, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> and I used to tell him, I used to draw up routes and be like, I want you to run 18 yards. But when you get 15, I want you to look to the sideline. And then when you get to 18, I want you to snap it across the dude. He's like, all right, I got you, homie. <laughs> all right, I got you, homie. And then he did it? <laughs> and then he could do it. Is he number one? I mean, like, in terms of just pure ability, is he the GOAT? Is that is he, well, this is is the even thing. a fair you, question? You can't have um, – be careful, young fella. All y'all want to jump into these, oh, he's the GOAT, he's the – That's what down. we do. That's slow, the down, slow down, but that don't make it right. Okay. Like, that don't make it right. Like, is, that, is it an unfair question? Well, Why what, can I jump in there? Is that an unfair well, question? What would you consider the GOAT? Like, what are we analyzing? Is he the most gifted? At the position. At the position of all time. Now, that right there, if you stay in that lane. <laughs> stay that's in your a lane, good, Joe. <laughs> that's a good conversation because athletic ability. Like, J Jerry Rice can't play basketball. Now, I'm not trying to determine the best wide receiver from who can play basketball. I want you to Google Devontae, Devontae Adams. I want you to Google him playing basketball right now. <laughs> this dude can put on a show. 360 dunk. I'm talking about over two hands, one hand. Like, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's the best receiver that we have playing. Not because he's a good athlete. He's a great athlete that also has wide receiver skills. Randy is a better athlete than Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is a better football player. Now, I don't care where you put that in your pipe and how you want to smoke that, buddy, but Jerry Rice is better at football. And to me, that's more important. Like, look at all the great athletes we have in NBA. Oh, he's a great athlete. He's a great athlete. But who's the best at playing basketball? Because that's what we're talking about. Well, my question is, so would you say it's unfair to compare the, the, goats, the goats of the past to the guys now? People, you mentioned basketball. People always say LeBron and MJ. It's like, are they in? They didn't play at the same time. So, what's your take on that? No, I just think that different eras are going to have players that are going to dominate those eras. 
but ultimately will their domination of their era lead to them being considered to be the GOAT? LeBron James has dominated basketball, but he's still not the GOAT. And the reason why, because Jordan's a better defender. He's a better scorer of the basketball, all right? He's a better shooter of the basketball, mm-hmm. okay? He's, I mean, how many more things do you want him to be able to do? Like, we just want to put people that are in our age or in our covering the sport that they have to be, like, I don't mind making Tom Brady the GOAT because of what he did on the field. Joe Montana was until Tom Brady came. Tom Brady changed the, he changed the game. Like he changed the game. So, like, I don't mind that someone from now, current, could be the GOAT in any genre, music, sports, anything. I don't care. Acting. I don't care what it is. But let's just make sure that we make an even playing field so that we can really judge everything on their merit. As we pivot to what's happening in the league today, I'm curious how you watch a game. Obviously, you have your analytical hat on as a member of the media. When you watch a Vikings game, are you emotionally invested? And do you watch that game and say, I, mean, I hope the Vikings win today? Or are you, is that kind of too distant for you? Well, I'm just, if you happen to work for Blue Wire for 10 years, and you can keep ascending as far as your career, and Blue Wire compensates you and makes you one of the top guys in the business. 20 years from now, we'll sit down, we have an old folks podcast. Hey, man, you remember? And you'll be like, man, Blue Wire, man, they was all right. Why? Because they gave you an opportunity, and they put major, major resources into you being who you are. So even though I'm not being paid by the Vikings, the Vikings did so much to make me who I am. Not only did they put in a game plan on a week-to-week basis that was going to highlight my skills, but all the things I did off the field. I was able to win the most prestigious award that they have in the NFL, and that's the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And that's being great on the field and being great in the community. So there's so many things that go beyond, um, you know, that team. That's the NFL office calling me right now, my boy Troy Vincent. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um. Hey, TV, I'm doing a podcast. I'll hit you back. Give me 15 minutes. (laughs) And those things right there, um, they just mean so much. Mm -hmm. It's it's beyond the game. Like, they invested in me and invested in my family. Like, my life changed forever. Mm -hmm. Like, my mom's life changed. My mom moved out of the housing project. My nieces and nephews, you know what? They go to private school now. My brothers and sisters have done better because of the Vikings. So it's beyond the game when people invest in you and put certain resources in you and enhance your ability to be able to make money or to be able to have a skill set that can be appreciated. So I, I love the Vikings, man. Like, I mean, they've done so much for me and then off the field, all the help and everything um, that they that that they invested in me. So, yeah, man, that's my squad. Like, Mm. that's my team. Like, that's who I ride and die with. That's awesome. Chris, before But I will criticize them, too. As you have to. Yeah, Yeah. as you have to. Chris, before we go, this is a betting podcast. We have to ask. You're talking about the emotion that goes into when you're watching games and thinking about games. Uh, When it comes to betting, you can't really have emotion in it. It is very analytical, and you have so much knowledge when it comes to the game. 
My question is, are you a better? How do you approach it? Are you getting into it? What's your, what's your whole thought process on, on this whole new sort of era that we're kind of just scratching the surface with? Um, I'm glad that the modern-day sports fan can experience sports not only from a viewing standpoint, but also all the different betting options that are made available to them. Mm. Um, I believe there's a lot of smart people out there that are able to give people um, a decisive advantage when they decide that they want to place a wager on an event because so many people are analyzing the analytics and are looking at it from a different perspective. You know, to me, I look at betting and the group of people that have come into sports through betting like fantasy football. It's just helped make the game more popular. And that's why a player like myself can still continue to be part of the media and still um, there be a desire uh, for media companies and the public to be able here, what do we think? What do you think about the spread? What do you think about them being a dog? Like all those things, the over and under. So I think I have a very, very unique sense in covering the game. And then as a player, that as a player, you go from, I don't want to have anything to do with betting, that now <laughs> once you're part of the media, that you have to be able to have some type of opinion on, well, man, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. Are they going to cover? Is it going to hit the point total? Is it going to be over? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be under? So, no, I just think that I've had a, a diverse enough um, upbringing in media to understand and appreciate the value of, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that people are betting on sports. Yeah. If you were to place a wager, who wins the MVP? Who wins the Super Bowl this year? Um, if I had to place a wager on winning the Super Bowl, I would probably place it on Tampa because of the overall number of players that had that recent experience and that supersedes anybody else that's in the league because the new england band got broke up so all that experience new england had that's not collectively around the league kansas city has it but this kansas city team is not as good as the kansas city teams in the last three years so now you're talking about my hard-earned money man if i'm gonna bet on a guy i'm gonna bet on a dude who's got a coach and bruce arian and they have a system and then also top to bottom they have one of the best a top, I would say top five rosters in the NFL. And an MVP? MVP, I would have to go with Kyler because his ability and what he's 73, I think, 73.8% completion percentage from Kyler Murray. I'm adding A.J. Green, um, my little man that they added from Purdue out of the backfield. Guy, Rondell Moore. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, Electric. I mean, they're a nightmare. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins hadn't even got started yet. I mean, they are a nightmare to cover, and I do believe that the combination Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and that defense, Buda Baker, what they're doing, like it could be a special year for Arizona. I know we got to let you go. We we, we kind of skip, I got time, man. Let's do over. it, man. I got tape. Let's do I'll, it, man. I want to know, circle back to your career, yeah. and then right after the mm -hmm. Hall of Fame process, I want to know what that's like because you had to be patient with it a bit. I mm -hmm. want to – is that – I used to cover the Niners. I used to work for the Niners. I got to know John Lynch a little bit. And I, I got to know and talk with him about – and he'd put on a good face and he'd be gracious when he wouldn't get in and wouldn't get in. But I know the relief and, and the, the joy, all the emotions that come with finally getting, I guess, what are they, the, the knock on the door from David Baker saying, you, you, hey, you're in this year's class. Maybe just uh, – can you, can you go down that path of what it was like for you, the emotions that came with it, and then and when it all mm -hmm. crescendo to you actually getting that gold jacket? 
I mean, it's very, very tough because it's, it's, it's not a perfect process. Um, I do have a great deal of respect for the men and women that do vote, the 48 people that decide people's fate as far as the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, I've just decided um, just in life, if you don't have anything good to say, sometimes you're better off not saying anything, and that's what I should have done my first few years, my experience with the Hall of Fame. But I didn't think that was necessary because at the time, uh, when I left the game, I was second in receptions and I was second in touchdowns. And anyone that else had accomplished anything like that, they were in the Hall on their first ballot. Now, at that time, we hadn't had a first ballot Hall of Fame receiver since Steve Largent. And God bless Steve Largent in his career. But I had substantially better numbers than him. And um, I didn't feel like the comparison was, was really right. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel like... There it, isn't one. I, I didn't feel like... I didn't feel like there was a comparison. And then when they held me out, as if he, his career was better than mine. Like, to me, I was pissed. And um, I made a comment that the 48 people in the room didn't have the sweat equity to fill up one glass. And when I said that, they put me on the back burner for a few years. Um, so I learned my lesson. It is the greatest honor that you can give a football player by telling him that he is going to be told with the story of the game. No matter how long it, the game is, um, they give you a bus that lasts 4,000 years. They give you a jacket, and they give you a ring. But it validates, and it answers every question of who you are. You're like, well, man, how good was he? Hmm, he has a gold jacket. Mm. So to me, it's the answer to all questions. It's the validation of all validations. And it's beyond any dream that any little kid who played football would ever dream about that one day that I'll be amongst the greatest that have ever played this game. So for me, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, now my goal in life is to try to be a Hall of Fame person. So as we get up every day, there's 200 Hall of Famers alive. There's 356, 400, 346 of us that have been given a gold jacket. You know, to me, that standard just goes off into who you're going to be as a person now because you're not going to be catching passes, mm -hmm. who you're going to be as a broadcaster, who you're going to be as a friend, who you're going to be as a son, all those things. So for me, it's the greatest, 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 greatest acknowledgement of all your hard work and all your sweat. And it's also the most humbling thing that you could ever get because you know that you don't deserve it. And other people could have been selected instead of you. But very much deserved. Yeah. Chris Carter, one of the best. Thank you so much for being here. This was absolutely awesome. I wish we had hours to go on, but you're a busy guy, so we gotta let you go. Greatly appreciate it. <laughs> much Thanks, success Chris. to you guys in the future. Too. And everyone, make sure you check out his Blue Wire podcast, Wide Receiver One. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.